You're listening to Half Stack Highlights, a blogcast dedicated to showcasing the latest in indie talent, business, and creative opportunities for the dreamer in you. We bring you intimate conversations with up-and-comers, entrepreneurs, and fellow dreamers alike, and we're based right here in Chicago. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Half Stack Highlights. This is Jen Lazan, and I am the editor-in-chief of the Chicago-based digital magazine Half Stack and also one of the hosts of our podcast, Half Stack Highlights. For this week's episode, I had the opportunity to speak with Kara Mack, the founder of Shoe Candy by Kara Mack. Shoe Candy is a line of high-quality designer shoes and handcrafted mix-and-match accessories that you can combine to create your own heel-to-toe shoe designs in a flash. They're perfect for travelers and other women on the go. Shoe Candy shoes and accessories combine really easily and seamlessly using their patent-pending Stap and Play technology that was invented by the co-founder Kara Mack. In this episode, I speak with Kara about her journey into entrepreneurship, what it has been like inventing a product, working towards a patent, and the realities that female founders face in the male-dominated world of startups. We also talk about the importance of having a co-founder in business that can help complement your skill set and be a support throughout the journey of entrepreneurship. We talk about Kara's start, what led her to launching Shoe Candy, and so much more. Keep listening for the full interview. Can you just please tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to pursue launching your company? Sure, sure. So my name is Kara Mack, and my company is Shoe Candy by Kara Mack. And I was a fashion designer, fashion director um, in the apparel industry for close to 25 years. I was a knitwear specialist. I really love designing sweaters, working on the machines. It's very, very technical and hands-on. And I, uh, my last job, I was a design director covering an entire collection, so woven, prints, bottom tops, outerwear, swimsuits, so on and so forth. And I used to commute back and forth from where I live in Westchester County, New York. So it's about an hour commute on the Metro North train into Grand Central to New York City. Then I had to walk about 20 minutes to get to my desk. And I would always have, you know, some comfortable walking shoes, but I would never wear sneakers. Um, you know, it had to be something low because I'm six feet tall on top of it. So I'm not a big heel wearer, but I would be greeted at my desk by about a dozen pairs of shoes that I kept under the desk. And I would decide based on my outfit, well, what should I wear today? And then if I had an event at night, which was quite often, I always had another pair of evening shoes in my handbag or my backpack or my shoulder bag. And I just started to think, like, why do women have to have so many shoes? And I started to sketch on the train. I had this little idea in my head, like, what would make a shoe be able to go from day to night? And so it started with the heel cover. And the idea was you had a heel that was permanently attached to a shoe, but the cover was removable, that you could actually change the look of the shoe. So you could have a day look to go with your workwear and then just carry a little bag. We call it candy, right? It's shoe candy. And I could remove a little pair of heels from my bag and snap it on the heel of the shoe. Um, And then I started to work on toe clips 
and sandal straps. So it's basically an instantly customizable shoe from heel to toe. I love it. I love it. I remember seeing it at Project Entrepreneur, and I was like, oh, I love this concept. It's just so efficient and effective, but it's still fashionable and, you know, cute and it makes you feel pretty and all that good stuff without having to carry, like, 10 bags with different shoes and work stuff and everything else that we carry as as women. So I love the concept when when I saw it at Project Entrepreneur. You mentioned, you know, you were kind of sketching on the train outside of the inspiration behind your needs and seeing that need in the market. How did you come about with the inspiration, design it the way you did? How, how did that come about? No. So basically, I had my full-time job, and it was a long day. You know, I got to my house at 7 a.m. Sometimes I got home at 8 at night. And then I would start, I learned how to mold and cast. I went online, I Googled how to mold and cast, I bought clay, I carved, and I baked all these samples um, to see if this idea could truly work. And it was really difficult to tell at that point because uh, everything that I made was not flexible. So, you know, the, the heel covers would break. So I got to a point where I had to hire an engineer um, to put it into like a 4D uh, model and then we, we uh, printed them. We printed the heels and the heel covers. And that was challenging because the first one didn't work. So, you know, it's about $1,000 a pop every time you, you know, do 3D printing. Yeah. Um, but the second one worked. And it was awesome. So then I took those parts and actually molded and casted additional ones in flexible materials so I could try them to see if they could work. And then I had some shoes made in a factory in Queens and put the heels on and um, started looking for a manufacturer. Wow. So how was that process like? Was it hard? Were you focusing on trying to keep it local? Were you looking to go overseas? I really, really, my goal was to make this in the U.S., but it, it turned out to be impossible. First of all, there are very, very few shoe manufacturers left in the United States, which is quite sad, but more um, critical was the injection molding that I needed for the heels was three to four times more costly than going overseas, and I did not want to go to China at that point. Um, I had put in patent applications, but they were not processed yet, so I looked at Italy and I looked at Brazil, and I ended up going to Brazil only because their their leather quality is so high. Um, I'm in a town where the factory, uh, for everything that I need, there's a factory in that town for it. So the shoemaker, the leather tanner, the leather printer, the rhinestones for the toe clips and the sandal straps. Everything is in this particular town. So that's what I uh, focused on. And I basically met two agents via LinkedIn, communicated wow. with them, and uh, four months later was on a plane by myself to Brazil <laughs> meeting them. <laughs> so it was, um, it was a whirlwind, I must say. Absolutely. It sounds like an adventure, but, I mean, that's a fun, creative venture. It's, you, don't, you don't always, you know, when you think about, entrepreneurship and and you know following goals 
tools and a lot of women do it on their own. You know, you don't have an, an investor right away who's willing to always help, you know, bankroll these ideas and who may have that mentorship ability to, you know, be like, here are these introductions. And I, I notice a lot of women, women entrepreneurs, we just, we, we are hustlers. We go for it. We make it work. And we follow through on what we need to to see if we can bring these ideas to life, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I saw that at Project Entrepreneur. When you think about what I think they had 200 female founders at that session yeah. that we were in, but yeah. six, over 600, I think 650 applied. And wow. for me, I have worked for somebody else my entire career. Yeah. Even though I had an entrepreneurial spirit in high school, I used to sell candy bars out of my locker, you know, that type of thing, um, yeah. I always worked for someone else. So to see how many people, especially women, are out there that have their own creations, their own ideas, the companies that they're launching, um, was so exciting for me. I just felt like I fit right in. So when it comes to the whole creative inspiration the creative process when it comes to the pieces it, it almost seems like you kind of have this base shoe that um can mm-hmm. be adjusted as needed and then you add on this like these beautiful pieces of flair how do you go about you know developing these ideas the themes um that you're focusing on when it comes to like the accessorizing aspect of the basic shoe right. styles that you're offering right so we presently have nine different shoe styles and three heel heights so we have boots and we have sandals and we have different types of shoes. They're very classic and traditional, well-made and comfortable. So that's what goes into the trend is the candy, the accessories. So if fringe is hot, we can snap on some fringe straps uh, onto our sandals. If, um, you know, breast cancer pink is hot in October, remove your traditional heel, black heel cover and throw in a hot pink one and, you know, show your support. If I'm going to a Mets game, okay, because I'm a New Yorker, um, and I yeah. want to wear one orange heel and one blue heel, I can do that. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, the trend really goes into the accessories. Very cool. So what are your goals then for the brand in the next two to five years? How are you hoping to make an impact? What kind of growth are you looking forward to? Um, if you're not full-time, are you hoping to go full-time soon? Oh, I'm full-time. I work nine days a week. <laughs> it's it's nonstop. So I would say our two- to five-year goal is more closer to the one- to two-year goal, number one, mm-hmm. is we, now that we have the patent on the heel, which um, was so exciting to finally get, yeah. and I still have three more patent pendings out there, um, wow. we'd like to partner or co-brand with an established shoe brand so they can take advantage of this concept. So we have the Shoe Candy by Kara Mack line, which is our collection, but the heel shape and height, it has so few limits of what can be done. So other companies can design pretty much whatever type of heel they prefer. So we are really trying to go down that path at this point. Are there any people or mentors, figures that have made an impact on your life or career? And if so, how? Well, I would say I have to go by my my career now, not my career in the past, because it was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's the female entrepreneurs, like obviously Sarah Blakely from Spang and the two Jens from Rent the Runway. 
um, you know, I've read and I've heard about their journeys, and not one of them had an easy time building their businesses, right? They always had challenges. So whenever I fall into a rut or I'm having a not-so-great day, I look back at their struggles and kind of rethink things, and then I move forward. So what are your thoughts um, on being a woman in a competitive world of startups? Are there any struggles that you feel women face in entrepreneurship? And how do you think we can change that whole narrative when it comes to funding opportunities for women? No, I know. That's the tough one. So mm-hmm. I really never thought twice about being a woman um, entrepreneur in the competitive world of startups. But the biggest struggle for a man or a woman, I think, is access to capital. Um, as I mentioned, I've always worked for someone else in my entire career. So on top of working and producing my inventions, it's taken an awful lot of time to seek and find all the opportunities that are out there for women. So uh, we've been chosen first and participated in a number of um, you know, different entrepreneurial events, including obviously Project Runway. We were in the MasterCard Pro Bono Challenge. And we are presently looking into participating in an accelerator or an incubator. So that can help us move forward at a steadier pace than we probably could by ourselves. And I'm using the word we because I really need to chime in. I have a business partner. I have a co-owner. So it's not just me. I mean, I mm-hmm. invented it and I started the company, but about four months after I launched, I partnered with a friend of, gosh, 20, 25 years who has an MBA, who has some skills that maybe I, was, I didn't have uh, as strongly as she did. So we really complement each other. So anyway, her name's Anne. You know, she has an Ivy League MBA. And she's an expert at branding and marketing. So we really, really complement each other because I'm really about more the creative, the design, the uh, operations, logistics, and stuff like that, where, you know, she has done more of, first of all, she codes our website all by herself. Wow. So she has wow. that skill. I bow down, bow down, bow down. <laughs> uh, and she... She just is able to help balance all the things that you have to do as a company. It's so much. It's so much work. Can you touch on that a little bit, though, the idea of, um, I feel like we can, especially, you know, when you think of business owners, we tend to get so myopic in our viewpoints of, you know, oh, I'm launching a business, I'm going at it on my own. Can you touch on the idea of teamwork and the idea of having a co-founder or a partner in business? and how that benefits you as a creative and how it benefits you as a business owner on on the whole. Yeah, because I think a lot of people look at a business and they just think, oh, you know, there's a designer involved and then there's a whole back end. There's a whole team doing everything else. Well, we hope eventually and, you know, not so far down the road that that's going to happen with us. But right now it's just the two of us. And I'm in New York, and Anne's in California. And that makes it even a little bit more challenging mm-hmm. um, because of the time difference and that we, you know, we're not always sitting next to each other in the same room. We Skype a lot, we talk a lot, we email a lot. But it's so important to share all the different 
job, all the hats that we have to wear to run a business. I mean, I'm talking about operations, logistics, setting up payment methods, your bank accounts, marketing, branding, social media. There's so much involved. And when you think, uh, if I had to be doing that all by myself, I don't think I would have come as far as I have so far. You know what I mean? But by having a co-founder who, once again, I keep using the word compliments your skills, I think it's really, really smart and important for everybody to seek out a co-founder if you are on your own. How do you feel your company, your brand overall, is trying to remain innovative when it comes to the shoe industry? How do you feel you're competing or how are you standing out when it comes to the traditional big brands? Obviously, your patent and the specialty with the with the heels, but is there anything else about what you do that really you feel like places you apart from the competition? Well, uh, we are definitely a disrupt in the traditional shoe industry. We stand out because our customers love our shoes and that now they can travel for business and pleasure with a much smaller suitcase. You know, since yes. one, one shoe style can match all the outfits in her bag. So it also saves money as hopefully she doesn't need her to check her luggage now. You know, she can carry on. So there's two thoughts to this. So there's the, the professional businesswoman who's going for a two- or three-day overnight trip, and she doesn't want to check her luggage. But between her, you know, makeup and her clothes, you can't really fit a lot of shoes in that bag as well. So now she can bring one pair of shoes and throw the candy in her bag to match all the outfits. So it looks like she's wearing a different shoe every day. And the same goes with the vacationer or the traveler. Like, think of a cruise ship. How much room do you have in your little room to store all your clothes, your shoes? So maybe you'll bring a stunning sandal, with the, which is the low heel, a celebrity sandal, which is the high heel, and, again, a bag of candy to match all those outfits. And you have a huge wardrobe in front of you, but you didn't take so much. Yeah, that's a totally a disruptor. Like as a, it is a disruptor, and it's like rent the runway. Um, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I think back at uh, Jenny's um, interview with Poppy Harlow and how she said, you know, they went and met with Diane von Furstenberg to show her the idea, and she said she hated it. Mm-hmm. She hated it because who wants? She wants to sell dresses. She doesn't want yeah. to rent them, and get, and now she's. I believe she's on their board. So something happened. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, and so yep. we definitely get um, a little negative feedback from a traditional retailer because they just want to sell more shoes. Even though maybe the consumer wants to own less. Yeah. So, you know, this is an obstacle that's constant for us and we're slowly moving forward with it. So Yeah. Speaking of obstacles, are there any others that you've faced as a business owner over the years, and how have you been able to manage to overcome them? Well, I think this goes back to the co the co founder part um, because there are so so many obstacles. So, uh, as I mentioned, I'm creative, um, and I sourced products over the world in my past. Not that it was shoes, but that part was so easy for me. Where I find that maybe you know someone else who doesn't have that background, it would be really, really difficult and challenging. 
but the whole learning about implementing operations and logistics was challenging. I mean, I've never had to deal with a freight forwarder myself. I've never had to get an annual bond because I always work for other companies. So these were all things that I had to sit down and learn. And you know what? I made mistakes. Um, you know, I, I probably paid too much for some things. And then over the course of time, I learned, oh, had I done it this way, I would have saved some money. So, you know, again, not having a back office to do that for you um, is extremely challenging because you have to learn to do it all yourself. What do you think has been your greatest success or, like, your proudest moments to date with Shoe Candy? For sure, it's the being granted our patent from the U.S. Patent and Trade Office after four years, four years of back and forth with an attorney, with the examiners, and a ton of money. They are so expensive. Um, mm. Finally getting that patent granted, and that wasn't easy because we received another rejection, and I don't know if you're familiar with how a patent process goes, but you get... You, you apply and then you get all these rejections and then you go back to them and you change the wording and yada, yada. So it got to the point where I was so frustrated. They were comparing me to some patent from 1936 that could never have worked. It was just an idea. Wow. And I finally said, why can't, can I go there? I wish I could go and meet the examiner and, and show him and talk to him. And one week later, the three of us, my partner and our Patent attorney and I were on a plane, and we flew to D.C., and wow. we met with the um, not just the examiner, but his supervisor. And one month later, our patent was granted. Wow. So wow. that was <laughs> huge. If you could give advice to someone looking to launch his or her own business, what would you tell them? And is there anything that you think they should keep in mind or think about before they take the leap into entrepreneurship? I think that had I realized how expensive it was all going to be, um, I would have kept my day job. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's extremely expensive. So unless you have, if, unless you have money up front, like somebody is willing to support you before you launch or you just have deep pockets, I would really consider um, not giving up your day job. Yeah, and honestly, too, when you think about that, I feel like most people, they think like, oh, it's a failure if I'm still working that full-time job while I'm trying to build this thing on the side. And in reality, I feel like that whole midnight hustle is something that's kind of necessary in order to still maintain, you know, living life and paying bills and taking care of the family while you're building up your dream and sometimes it make it and they make it a little bit slower but in the long run sometimes that is a good choice for people because you can't always just you know throw the towel in elsewhere and just go all in for this and sometimes it it takes that that bit of working on the side to build it up to where you need it to be and then leaving that full-time job to pursue right. that full-time right Right. So I was a little hasty in my decision, and I'll tell you the little story behind it, which is kind of exciting. So I had participated in the Damon John Academy for Entrepreneurs. You know, mm -hmm. do you watch Shark Tank? Yes. Yeah. You know who Damon John is? Yes. And I am. So this was <laughs> this was back in I think February of 
2013. So I was still working and I did this three day workshop. And at some point, um, I got a call that I could go meet him in the Empire State Building and present my collection. And I didn't have my collection because it was still in my mind. So the meeting was in one week, take it or leave it. So I basically went on social media, told all my friends and family, I'm not taking your calls this week. Um, I've got a project to work on. And I think I worked 20 hours a day for a week to make a presentation to show him. And it was a fantastic meeting. He uh, supplied me with a number of notes afterwards and, and thoughts and ideas. But the best part was when I compared my model to like a Build-A-Bear workshop or an American Girl type of business model. Then yeah. he really got it and he threw his hands up and said, this can be huge. And I quit my job the next day and decided to work on it full time because for months, friends and family were telling me, you have to do this full time. But I needed someone I didn't know, someone who had credibility, someone who saw my vision to kind of give me that extra push. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I stopped working completely, yeah. but, yeah. Um, you know, I did have quite a bit of savings and, um, you know, we're plugging away three years later. Where can we learn more about your brand online and what you're doing and even, you know, yourself? social media handles that people can follow to keep up with, you know, Shoe Candy. So we have a website, which is www.shoecandy, one word, dot shoes. Not dot com, dot shoes. <laughs> so we secured yes. that site for our website. I'm on um, Facebook. So we have a Shoe Candy by Caramac Facebook page. I have my personal account, which is Caramac. We're on Instagram at Shoe Candy Shoes. Um, I also have a Caramac.ShoeCandy Instagram account, LinkedIn, Caramac, Twitter. <laughs> so can I just change the subject real quick? Yeah. How was, how was Project Entrepreneur for you? Did you get anything out of that? Um, it was an amazing time. It was my first time going to New York. It was quite oh, the really? adventure. Yes, it was quite the adventure. It's funny. I, I funny. I worked in the fashion industry as well um, before I was teaching and before I was doing this with the magazine. Um, I worked for Claire's Corporate. Um, you know oh. where you go take your daughters to get their ears pierced. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I did all of their marketing, PR, special events when new stores were opening and all that good stuff. But um, and I never went to New York on a on a work trip. They sent me to Canada. They sent me all over the place, but never New oh York. <laughs> um, so it was my first time going, and that that day my flight got canceled like five times, and I ended up oh, driving there. Oh, a horrible there. day. Horrible. Yes, and I ended up driving from Chicago twelve <laughs> hours, but I made it. You did. And I ended up missing like part of the first like the first part of the first day but the rest of it was just amazing there's so many wonderful people that I, I was mm -hmm. able to meet it was great to watch it was great to see the pitches um it really gave me a purpose in terms of updating and really um solidifying my business plan and my pitch deck so that I could uh -huh. now send it out to potential investors um because what we do is a little different because you know we're, we're kind of like a service based 
thing, but not really because you're not getting anything tangible outside of the magazine and the blog post. Um, but it's, you know, it's definitely, it was eye-opening and it was wonderful to be around other women that are doing similar things because uh, you're right, it can be really hard. You feel like, especially if you, you don't have other friends who are within this world, it can feel very mm-hmm. isolated. So, but I, yep. I'm doing this with the podcast because I've I've been doing this podcast now for what two two and a half years, um, mm-hmm. and our magazine we've been running it for six. And the coolest thing that I get to do is be able to talk to people like you who are pursuing their dreams and goals and launching businesses and doing all these amazing creative things. And it makes me feel less alone in terms of what I'm trying to pursue. You know. I I think that like goes back to whenever I'm having a tough day or something's not going right. And like, I always go and look at Sarah Blakely on Instagram. First of all, she's hysterical. Okay. And I, her kids are adorable. (laughs) And, um, she always puts something like to make me, Oh my gosh. Like she did the other day. She wrote something about how she was like, she was selling fax machines door to door and she started crying. She was like, there's got to be something else in my life. Yeah. You know, yep. I, I, I totally relate. So um, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle. Yeah, but it keeps well, you motivated. <laughs> Those things keep you motivated though. And you really like, I think that's, what's really important too. It's like we as entrepreneurs, you have to be self-motivated. Because if you're not, mm-hmm. oh, you you're must. not going to get what you need to get done done. Like, there's no one, there's not a boss telling you, oh, you have to meet this deadline, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. It's it's on you in order to make it happen. Yep, you are so right. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this recent episode. Thanks to Kara for taking the time to share her journey. And if you would like to learn more about Shoe Candy and Kara, you can check out www.karamac.com. That's www.karamac.com. While you're online, make sure you stop by halfstackmag.com and you can keep up with us on all social media with the handle at halfstackmag. Also, please make sure you stop by iTunes to leave us a review. This is a great way to show your support as the reviews help our episodes get discovered and will allow us to keep making the content that you enjoy listening to and that we're passionate about. Thanks for your support.